We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Hopefully your football team won this week because the Yankees laid just a steaming pile of crap this weekend versus the Blue Jays. Just so damn ugly. Scott, I know your your Jets won. What's going on? Well, my Jets won, so that was a good thing. Uh, Fitzmagic came and, and showed, showed what was going to happen for the rest of the season. I'm really excited about that. But, you know, it was really just kind of capping off a weekend of, of just disappointment and frustration watching Yankee baseball. So, um, you know, we had a giant opportunity this weekend, and it seems like we just completely let it slip through our fingers. So, yeah, I'm super frustrated with the team right now. Well, the Yankees played like your voice sounds. What's going on? <laughs> so there's a couple things. One, we did so many JTS Jets, Jets, Jets chant <laughs> today because of the touchdowns that we scored. It was it was kind of weird, actually. I did like, why are we? I haven't done this many. I wouldn't in, get in to a, you during a game. And then, uh, and then yesterday I was at a college uh, college football game, so I was tailgating and uh, I was getting animated on the sideline. But so that's why my voice is probably gone from the from uh, from yelling at college football. But um, but yeah, so I'm. Uh, Today, today was pretty good though, for, as far as uh, Yankees and Jets. The the Jets gave me a W, and Tanaka came back and and you know shut down the the lineup, the Blue Jays lineup, which looked un- unstoppable. Um, but he he came back and did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, finally uh, salvage what we could from that weekend. But it was good to see the NFL back. 
full slate of games and uh, just nice to just sit back on the couch. I had I had the Yankees on the iPad and I had Red Zone up, so it was a lot of fun. But um, you know, we'll get into everything what happened this weekend. I know we're both probably going to be pissed off. Uh, just want to mention a few things before we get into it, though. Uh, this week was the anniversary of 9-11, and uh, I don't want to really get into everything, you know, the whole 9-11 angle. I think everyone has said, you know, how much of a tragedy that was and how the city sort of rallied around the Yankees and the Mets during that time. What I do want to talk about is that uh, the first pitch 30 for 30 that the ESPN put out uh, last week about George Bush's first pitch at the World Series in 2001. Um, I don't think you've watched it, have you? No, I have not seen it yet, but I'll definitely, 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 I'm going to check it out this week for yeah, sure. Recommended because it's pretty awesome just to, to know what was going on behind the scenes. Jeter was actually on there. He was talking about how he was talking to uh, George Bush in the batting cage who was warming up and just sort of the, the emotions that were, were going into that game. Um, and I don't know about you, but for me, even though the Yankees didn't win that World Series, those three games, games four, five, and or excuse me, three, four, and five at Yankee Stadium in two thousand one, might be some of my favorite games of all time in Yankees history that I've ever watched. I agree with you. I mean, the, the there was so much, there was such a powerful energy, and I guess that's the only way to describe it: just the energy of of the the people at the stadium, and just you know, obviously what what was going on at the time. Um, I, I think it was some of the best, uh, some of the some of the coolest Yankee games that we've seen, and and I agree with you. I think they were they were powerful, I and mean, that's that's the best way to describe it. I think. Absolutely, I I think they could have played a hundred games, and they were not going to lose at the stadium. Yeah, no, that place was rocking, man. That place was rocking for sure. I remember when Tino hit the home run, and then Jeter became Mister November. I was like twelve or thirteen at the time. I don't think I slept that entire night until the next game when Brocious then did it again. That was just. It was just so unbelievable. It's one of those things that if, you know, if you're a little bit younger and you don't remember those games, it was those kind of games in the in the late 90s, early 2000s that just gave you the chills. That that's why we love those teams so much. Well, and you know, it's that's also talking about like talking about the way that the stadium was too and how loud it got there. Um, it's it's just a, it makes me miss the old stadium even more when yes. I think back on those when yes. I think back and then I see what what really is the the new stadium and and just you know the, the old stadium was a lot more intimate like you were on you were a lot closer to the field in in many places um, even the even the upper deck was I mean it was steep up there it was like you're taking your own life walking up and yeah. down those uh, walk, walking up and down those stairs but everything was a lot closer to the stadium or to the field itself um, and and now it seems like everything's you know like laid out differently so it's more a little bit further back and it just doesn't get loud like it used to and uh that that stadium would that during those games got so loud i think a reason for that is because the old stadium was pretty much all just cemented in there was the concourse wasn't open like at the new stadium so the sound was just trapped in and in a big moment like those world series games i mean it was like vibrating that's how loud it was yeah no those that was that's I'll, I'll never I'll never I don't know if I'll ever really rally around this new stadium like the old one. I mean, maybe we need some games, you know, and, and some teams for us to do that, I guess. Um, but until that happens, this this new stadium to me is just uh, it's not as good. I have not been to a playoff game at the new stadium, I, I, but I, I just can't imagine it gets as loud as the old one. It just it's impossible. Right, right. No, I agree. We'll see. We need more playoff games so that we can test this theory. Yeah, hopefully they can they cannot <laughs> fall apart here the last three weeks of the season and they can actually make the playoffs. But uh, we'll see about that. 
another thing that happened this week, actually today, we're recording Sunday, was the A-Rod 3000th hit ceremony. Were you able to see any of that? I did. I saw the, the ceremony, and it looks like the... the it's just so funny that we're actually talking about this. To I, know, right? I mean, I, I can't believe we're actually talking about the, the ceremony for A-Rod's 3000th hit after all of this hoopla about them not marketing and not acknowledging. And then, you know, everybody made good when the, the, the money went to charity, and which was a great move. Um, and then today the, the Yankees uh, looked like it was a, uh, they gave him a ring um, and then gave the, the, his, his two daughters were out there. So it was a nice moment for A-Rod. It was a really nice moment. I just uh, something about honoring a player who's currently playing for your team just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, well, and then everything surrounding it too. I just I don't know. It's just to me, it's a little ridiculous. I mean, and 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 it was like how far away are we from where when he had that hit? It was it was how long ago? It just seems like it's a. Uh, it's like they're just dragging it on uh, because the Yankees do that with their with their mar- the marketing machine. Um, I don't know. I, I just I think the whole thing was played out to tell you the truth because of the controversy behind it. It probably also would have been a little bit more exciting had the Yankees not just laid an egg in the last three games versus Toronto. That's true. When opportunity comes up and you don't do anything and you actually play the worst baseball you've played in a very long time, nobody's excited. And nobody gives a nobody cares if you're getting a ring. It's not the ring we want. I saw Rich posted a picture in his nice little A Rod three thousandth hit shirt. I did see that. It was a uh, Mister and Mrs. Uh, Mister and Mrs. Uh, a Rod. There wearing those sweet shirts. There, there's some nice looking shirts though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'll be buying one though. Uh, you won't. You won't see me in one. All right. The closest thing I'll be getting to is the A bomb shirt. <clears throat> yes, I will. I will wear one of those. All right, so you ready to you know sort of just go through the mud here and, and torture ourselves? Yep, let's go, man. Week didn't start off well because Teixeira is done for the season. Cashman told reporters on Thursday that they did a third MRI, and that actually showed a fracture, and Teixeira is done for the rest of the season, and that includes the playoffs. Um, before we get into what it means for the team, uh, I just want to ask you, why didn't the first two MRIs show that there was a fracture? <laughs> what changed in that third MRI? Did he fracture it later? You know, what's going on there? I kind of I kind of smell a conspiracy. You know, I think with fractures, a lot of them can be like super, super small um, as well. And I don't know, like I'm not a doctor. I can't really talk about this intelligently as far as the way the way when something bruises like that, like does it hide things? Does it does the blood clot in certain ways where you can't see fractures? That could very well be until that stuff clears up and then you can see it more clearly. That, I mean, that, that could be. I have no idea. Um, I have a funny story. I was trying to get out of a test in sixth grade. I had, I had, I literally had, I didn't study for this test. I did nothing. I was like, I got to get out of this test. And I was a terrible student. I'm like, kids, if you're listening, don't do anything I did when I was in school. Cause it was I terrible. I wonder how many sixth grade I went down, listening. <laughs> I went down to the nurse's office and I said that I was running in the hallway and I fell and I hurt my hand. I like landed on my hand. So this, it got, went way too far. They sent me to the, to a doctor. They took x-rays. They did the whole deal. Dude comes back with an x-ray. And points out a hairline fracture in my x-ray and says, yep, you have a broken hand. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm sitting there like I can't say anything because because I didn't fall. I was just made the whole thing up to get out of the test. I can't tell my mother this. But yeah, the dude made up a a hairline fracture. He saw something that looked like a hairline fracture. There was no fracture. I did not fall. 
<laughs> so I don't know if when you're looking at these MRI or at these X-rays, MRIs, whatever, you can see things that are just or that don't exist, or you don't see them if they do exist. I don't know. That is a Costanza-esque moment for you. It's like when he was, uh, was faking the elbow injury to stop talking to Lloyd Braun or something. Yeah, it was. It was It was a classic moment in my middle school history. So uh, did you have to get like a cast or anything? Yeah, they, they put me in like an air cast because it wasn't like a, a real bad break. It was just the, the – he literally called it a hairline fracture. And I'm just thinking like, dude, you're full of shit. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking no, you in my head that. the entire time. You deserve that for, for not studying and for faking. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about the doctor. Like the doctor was full of shit. Um, but yeah, I, I did have to wear an air cast for a little while. But I wore it for like two days. I'm like, oh, I think it's better. <laughs> All right. So do you think Teixeira fell in the hallways of Yankee Stadium and is faking the whole thing? No, I think, and and maybe I'm just totally off, but I think that the the blood clotting because of the bruising, probably they couldn't see it, or I don't know. They looked at it in a different way. I just I have a feeling you can you can find things in those. It's like one of those paintings. You stare at it long enough, you'll find something. You know what I you know what I think, and you can call me crazy, but I think they saw this fracture in the first MRI, and they were just hoping it got better. They didn't want to let the news out, and they were just hoping he healed. And when it came down to three weeks later, and he hadn't healed, then they break the news that he's done for the season. Yeah, that could be. I mean, those sometimes when they're that small, uh, they they can get better pretty quickly. So. I mean, do you think that's the bad? Th- I don't think that's the worst thing. I don't think it's the worst thing either. I just think then they, you know, because he was walking around on crutches the week after it happened. Right. Um, I, for a bone bruise, do you walk around on crutches? I don't know. But if they knew it came back, because he came back and and played. Oh, that's a good, you know what? That's a good point. He did so, play a couple games. Yeah, so that's why I don't, I don't believe, because if they did see it, they wouldn't have let him do that. All right, there goes my conspiracy. Shot down. I do love conspiracies, though. I know. I can. I, you seem like the kind of guy that would love a, cons- a good conspiracy. Do you think there's a conspiracy surrounding Ivaldi? Um, no, I don't. I think – I don't really know what the hell happened. Where the hell did this come from? I don't know, man. It's like uh, – maybe he's throwing that splitter. It just it didn't, it didn't work with his elbow much. But no, that's, that's a damn shame to tell you the truth. And I don't know if you're, if you're happy about this no, or if you're sad or what, what are you. But – I'm joking. I know you're not happy about this, but yes, it's uh, it's it's really unfortunate because one, we need all the arms we can get. Yep. And while he wasn't pitching that great the the last few starts, um, you know, he's we still needed him to be part of this this stretch run, and because now we're, you know, we're, we're relying on CC who's coming back after an injury, or or plugging in uh, Adam Warren or Brian Mitchell who have just been pitching terribly lately. So yeah, it really, uh, it really, it really hurts the pitching staff for sure. That news definitely shocked me. Um, it was after he pitched kind of mediocre last week and then all of a sudden he's shut down for two weeks which really is the rest of the season because then he has to go on a program to ramp back up so we're not going to see him again until the playoffs and I don't know about you but I'm pretty nervous if the first start back from this injury is in a divisional series round I mean we might not even make it there but if if he's going out there game four the division series for the first time in a month that scares the shit out of me the problem is is you're looking around at who's going to be pitching Anyway, if it's not him, and everything looks scary right now, unless your name is not Tanaka, you know, everything looks scary. So I just want him to be back and available, and then, you know, we'll deal with that when the time comes. But yeah, hopefully it's just, you know, a little bit of R&R can, can help this dude out. But yeah, it came out of nowhere. I was very surprised when, when I heard, heard about this. Um, I mean, there was no, there was nothing any, at any point during the season where he complained about his elbow hurting that I can remember. So I think we sort of just touched on what Evaldi being 
out for the rest of the year means for the Yankees and their rotation is that it sort of moves everybody up one spot, which is bad because then we're talking about some of those guys like Mitchell and, um, you know, Caleb Cotham and Rumbelow, who are all pitching more, who don't need to be pitching more at this time in the season. Um, and and then it's just it's just bad because frankly those guys are not very good and they're not pitching very well right now. Well, and also think about it; these guys are minor leaguers. Their season's done right now, so they're pitching more than they than they have on a normal basis. Yeah, they're sure shit and, pitching like minor leaguers too. Yeah, and we're well, we're there, you know Girardi's using them quite a bit right now too. So these guys are getting a lot of work in more work than they probably ever had um, in their professional career. So these guys are 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 not fresh. They're not fresh arms because they have been throwing lots of innings. Well, the Evaldi injury really came at a bad time because they were in a stretch with no days off for I think two and a half weeks. And when you lose a guy out of your rotation and you don't have any days off coming up, then that sort of bumps everybody out of out of their spot and, and it just creates chaos and they didn't need that. No, they, I mean, and uh, we just don't have anybody that we're, I mean, it's not like, it's not like teams go six, seven deep. I understand that. Um, but, but yeah, when we're, when we're this close to the end of the season and, you know, we're in a pennant race, you don't want to lose, uh, you know, who's been one of your more, efficient and consistent starters although some might disagree <laughs> like i said i'm not even uh hate a nivaldi hater enough to be happy about this injury <laughs> no there's no reason to be there's yeah. no, there's no reason to be all right back to Teixeira though we didn't sort of talk about what it means that he's out of the lineup you know how how, how bad uh, for the yankee lineup is that injury it's terrible. I mean, not only was he having a terrific season, um, I mean, it hurts the lineup, it hurts the field. Uh, he's a gold glove first baseman that, that probably has saved, you know, 10 to 15 errors this year. Uh, maybe I'm being modest with that. And not to mention no, his We got bat, Chase Headley at third base. He saved 50 errors. Okay. Well, not to mention his bat, I, I'm like his bat alone, but it also the protection that it gives for Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, you know, Alex Rodriguez has not been the same really since since Tex went down too. So, yeah, we're, it, hurts the, it hurts the lineup in a, in a lot of ways. It hurts the team in a lot of ways. Uh, we talked about this last week. We have Greg Bird who has, has softened the blow a bit. You know, he, he's, been, he's been pretty good. Um, and, and now Dustin Ackley is, is sliding in there at first base as well. So you'll see probably a platoon uh, with those two guys down the stretch. Uh, but it absolutely, it, it, it's, you, you cannot replace uh, Mark Teixeira. It also really hurts him when they go up against a, a lefty because he was switch hitter. He turned around. He was a great bat from the right-hand side. Bird and Ackley are both lefty hitters. So you kind of don't have a right-handed first baseman. Yeah, and you know, you to to your credit, early in the season or before when we started doing our predictions, you you labeled Mark Teixeira as the X factor of this uh, of this season and of this team. And I mean, sure as shit, that's that's exactly what he is, and we're seeing it right now. Yeah, it totally thins out the lineup. It shortens the lineup, and and you know, with people, I mean, they're producing more than they were, say, in that long stretch in August when they all went into a slump. Right. But um, Gardner's hitting a little bit more. Ellsbury's not hitting at all. Uh, Stephen Drew had a nice week, but th- I think that sort of has fizzled out. So sort of these holes are more glaring with Teixeira out. And it, it's uh, I'm afraid that their offense is not going to be playoff caliber without him. We'll see. Let's just get to the playoffs so we can figure that out too. Well, if they keep playing like this, they're not going to get to the playoffs. They're not going to make it to the playoffs. God, it'll this, this just be a disaster if they don't make the playoffs. If they don't make that, 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 that wild card game. I don't want to be a. I don't even want to record a podcast after that. It'll just be angry for two hours. Oh, I want to record one after that. <laughs> All 
Uh, two and five in the last week since we last recorded. They are now seventy-eight and sixty-four. After this weekend, three and a half back of Toronto. Um, I don't want to say give up on the division, but we're sort of trending in that direction as we as we sit here with thir- uh, three weeks left in the season, a little less than that. Um, and for the wild card, they're three and a half up on Texas and four up on the Twins. So in reality, that means that the Twins or someone else would need to. The Yankees would need to lose four games to to a team like the Twins in order to not make the playoffs entirely. Right, and if you see what the way that we played baseball this week, uh, that's entirely possible. So uh, while I'm not giving up on the division yet because a lot of things can happen, uh, we still have another three games with Toronto at Toronto. So I mean, obviously we could we could if if the if the real Yankees showed up that in that series, which I don't even know who the real Yankees are at this point, but if the Yankees did show up and played well, um, you never know what could happen. Um, and there's still a lot of baseball, but but yeah, you know, we just need to focus on on finishing the season out well. And and not not even worrying about these, you know how many how many were up, how many were back. Like I just want to finish the season well, so that you know kind of let the chips fall where they may. And um, you know if we have to play a playing game, so be it. Let's do it. But let's just finish the season out and make the damn playoffs. Totally agree. Because if they back their way into a wild card spot, then they're just gonna lose. Yeah. So. We'll see, man. They 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 got a, there's a lot of baseball left. So by by no means am I giving up on the division at this point, um, because I think a lot of things can happen. Uh, but yeah, it, it's looking more realistic as the uh, as the wild card. So the Yankees really shot themselves in the foot earlier this week. We recorded last on Sunday morning, last Sunday morning. So we missed the final game against Tampa. Yankees had an awesome comeback against Archer, who just totally dominates the Yankees in his career. McCann hit the three run homer. And then A-Rod had the go-ahead uh, home run. The Yankees won 6-4. to four. And then on Monday, Pineda kind of had a rough second inning but settled in. And the Yankees had another great comeback. And, and Bird hit the three-run homer. Mm-hmm. And that was the difference in the game. And you sort of saw some momentum building for this team. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays are in Boston losing two out of three to the last-place Red Sox. The Red Sox are doing us a favor. And after that Monday game against Baltimore in which they won... The offense totally went silent, and, and it sucks because in that Tuesday game, Tanaka gave him eight innings of one-run ball. You can't ask for anything more than that. The offense could only get one run, though. Yeah, and, you know, that's the problem with the way that there, our offense works is that we're so we're so dependent on, on the big hit, on the, on the long ball, that we don't we don't scratch runs across very often. We don't, you know, put together runs. We don't put together like long innings um, all that often. And it hurts us when, when, when we're, you know, when we're looking for runs, like these guys are, are, are just, are, are chasing and they're, they're just trying too hard at some point. So it seems like they're, they're, they're pressing themselves. And when they start doing that, the, the offense just goes completely under. Um, Tanaka gives you eight innings, one run. You got to win that game, especially against Baltimore. Was really struggling when they came into the series, like really struggling. And you're coming off of the the win. Like I'm looking for a sweep against Baltimore. That's what I'm looking for. Like I'm I'm not happy with anything else but a sweep. That's what I would be the mentality I'm looking for as a New York Yankee going into that series. And you know, there's just so many opportunities missed. It totally looks like they had no sense of urgency. It's almost like they were just looking forward to that Toronto series, taking the Orioles for granted. Meanwhile, the Orioles are are taking your lunch money, winning two out of three right at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and we're seeing we're we're seeing the the back end of our bullpen. We've we've talked about the guys that have come up from AAA back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But now we're starting to see a lot of the guys that you know that we've been depending on all year not not pitch well, and and you know Chase Shreve. Um, was in the ninth inning of that game um, after we we couldn't use Miller or Batantis, but 
I'll tell you, Chris Davis hit a bomb. It was a clutch shot against Shreve, and he just hasn't been the same guy for, for a while now either. Well, speaking of Shreve and other guys that haven't been pitching as well, I mean, how many times did we talk about this? This was our biggest fear. The right. fact that the Yankee bullpen was having to work so much because of guys like CeCe and guys like Evaldi only going five, five and a third innings time after time in the middle of the year. It really takes a toll at the end of the season. They could have saved so many bullets from these guys, you know, back for the first four months of the season, but they were just worked so much that, you know what? I mean, when you're when you're on your 60th appearance of the year, I, you're going to get hit. It's just a reality. We have like five Scott Proctors on the team right now. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> it's, it's, we have so many guys throwing a ridiculous amount of innings. Um, and then, you know, and then Joe with his mixing and matching of the way he does the back end of the pen. Uh, it really throws some throw some head scratchers in there. So yeah, no, you're right. I mean, look, I, I get it that we are our, our starting pitching. Um, while they haven't been uh, disasters, they, the the fact that they didn't haven't gone length haven't gotten length in their starts uh, pretty much all year is definitely definitely uh, getting felt right now. And it's I mean, f- the difference between five and a third and six full innings might not sound like a lot. But when it happens every game, it really adds up. Instead of Wilson and Shreve being used in the fifth inning, they're being used maybe every other day in the sixth inning. And and, and that sort of little things really add up towards the end of the season. And, you know, Shreve sort of hung one to Chris Davis. He hit a opposite field home run. That's his 21st career home run against the Yankees in like 80 games, which is just insane. Um, that's, you know, a 40 home run pace. If you average it out for an entire season, he just absolutely kills the Yankees. And it's so frustrating because I don't think he's that good of a hitter. I know he hits a lot of home runs, but I mean, the guy hit like 190 last year. Like, come on, get pitch smarter to him. He didn't have his Adderall last year. This year he has his Adderall. He's all good. He got this. He got the script. So, and he got the script approved by MLB, which is awesome. I don't really understand all that, but how like it's okay now. But it wasn't okay then, so yeah, he's uh, he's a swing or miss guy. But you're right, he he's he reminds me of um, uh, you know just a lot, you see a lot of the home run hitters. Um, who, I can't think of his name. Uh, White Sox. Oh, uh, Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's who he reminds me of. It's it's either it's feast or famine. Uh, but but yeah, he ends up hitting a lot more home runs than than uh, than you think. Um, and he's been big against the Yankees, unfortunately. And as annoying as that Tuesday game was, Wednesday was even worse. CeCe makes his return to the mound. Actually looked pretty decent. His changeup was working, which was nice to see. But uh, Stephen Drew, who had been solid in the field all year, made two critical errors that led to three runs for the Orioles. Um, It was pretty much the difference in the game. So first inning, he boots a ball. It goes off of his face. That guy ends up scoring. And then in the fifth inning, um, Joe took CeCe out, which he just hit Chris Davis. So CC kind of had used all the bullets in his arm. Uh, he took him out. There were bases loaded. Warren comes in, gets a ground ball to Headley. Headley makes a bad throw to second, but it was definitely catchable by Stephen Drew. Took his eye off the ball, dropped it. Two runs scored. That made the game 3-3. Three to three. Totally changes momentum in the game. It goes from Yankees through the fifth inning with a 3-1 lead to tied game. And uh, the Yankees, or Baltimore didn't look back, ended up winning that game. Um Stephen Drew, man, <laughs> he he did not do himself any favors. I mean, he as if he wasn't hated enough, he goes and makes those two errors. And he can't be making errors. I mean, you're hitting under 200 for 
three quarters, it's more than three quarters of the season, and you're supposed to be playing solid defense. And in big moments, in a big series, it's not big for the other team. It's big for us because we need to get these wins. We need to start. Uh, you know, the, you you, you kind of nailed it when you said there was no sense of urgency. And I totally agree with that. It really felt like there was zero sense of urgency. And in my eyes, these guys got to be playing these games like playoff games right now. Like every single game matters right now. And the fact that he's, you know, being lackadaisical, like it was not a good throw by Headley. It was a, definitely catchable. It was probably like shin level. He should have caught the ball. Well, you know what the thing is? Headley kind of threw him like a change up. Um, over to second base, and I think that's what surprised Drew. But it's it's no excuse. He's still got to make. Just watch the play. ball into the glove and catch the ball. You're a professional baseball player. Catch the ball. That's all I'm saying. Like, but but the th- the point is, is like this dude needs to be out there playing solid defense, not giving up three runs. I mean, how many runs did he give up with his batting average? And now he's giving up three runs in the field in a, in a big game. It's just unacceptable. And Hashtag Ref Snyder. <laughs> Have we even seen Ref Snyder? Does he even exist? I know he's in the dugout, but he's not playing. He's he's sitting on his hands in the dugout, twiddling his thumbs. He's he pissed, not he seeing pissed the somebody field. off. He must have really pissed somebody off. And maybe maybe the the conspiracy theory with that is true, where Ref Snyder has a bad attitude. That's why they don't want they don't like him very much. Maybe I I believe that one. I I do. I think something's going on because I, it doesn't really make sense why he's there and not playing at all. I mean, get the guy in a couple games, for God's sakes. I think he, he, he even could have caught that ball. Oh, he definitely would have caught the ball. He's, <laughs> he's an athlete. <laughs> he's also a professional baseball player that should have caught the ball at second base. Um, and then we sit there in the eighth inning. Warren had been pitching really great, but he hung a curveball to Steve Pierce. Uh, Go-ahead home run in the eighth. And then this, this is just classic uh, you know, Joe Girardi bullpen management. They're down one in the ninth inning, and uh, he goes to a parade of Nick Rumbelow, James Pazos, and Brian Mitchell, and they end up giving up a run. Uh, I, I just honestly don't understand why Joe has no problem going to Batances and Miller in games they're winning by five or six runs because he's afraid of blowing the game, but then he won't use them in a situation where just keep the game at a one-run game and give yourself a chance. Nope, he didn't do it. Two-run deficit, and uh, that was history. It makes no sense. He does. He's been doing this all year. I mean, you see a six-run lead. You see a, sometimes a, even more than that. And you see, like I, I cringe when I look to the when I see the camera pan to the bullpen and I see Led Miller or Batantis warming up in a game like that. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Like, there's no reason for this man to even be throwing in the bullpen right now. You know, he should be he should be in a sauna, like getting his arm wrapped, like getting a massage, not throwing in the bullpen in a six-run game. And then he, he comes in with this. We have an opportunity to win the game, or at least, like you said, giving ourselves a chance. Um, and he's going to the, the parade of AAA guys who've been coming on a bus back and forth um, all year. So it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't understand it. I mean, it's, it's because – so, you know, on the one hand, we see I, – I want to go back to that game in Boston where the Yankees had a huge lead and they brought in all those call-ups and they all yes. sucked. And they ended up having to use Batances and Miller. So I understand why why Girardi doesn't trust them, but then why are you trusting them to go into a one run game and keep it where it is? You know, you can't have it both ways. You got to either trust them or don't trust them. Well, it just doesn't make any sense. You're right. It, it's you're flip flopping your own decisions. I don't. How, how are you? How are you going to these guys in the ninth inning? But but you won't use them in a six run game. It makes zero sense. It really does. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to describe like how I feel about it because it doesn't make any damn sense. I literally am just scratching my head with <laughs> blank thoughts. You've moved past anger. You're just confused. Yeah, I just don't understand. Yeah. I'm with you. 
Um, and, and so, you know, they lost the two out of three to Baltimore. You know, just terrible, terrible series. And they got rained out on Thursday. And I'm sitting there like, oh, shit, they're going to play that a hurts. doubleheader. Yeah. And with that Blue Jays lineup against this Yankees pitching staff with two games on the same day, I knew they were in trouble. Not only because of that, but also the Yankees needed to win three out of four in this series and make a statement if they seriously wanted to contend for the AL East uh, title. And doubleheaders are very, very hard to sweep. <laughs> we saw the Blue Jays do it, but doubleheaders are very hard to sweep. You usually split. So I knew that was going to put a lot of pressure on you know Friday to get out to a good start. And um, the Blue Jays set the tone uh, early in that series, or you could say Severino set the tone in a bad way. But he gave up five runs in the first inning, absolutely got mauled by the Blue Jays lineup. Uh, it was the first time we've seen him look bad, and man, did he look bad. Yeah, I mean, they just they just came out pumping the bats immediately, and uh, it, it was a it was a quick knockout, is what it was. And Severino just he was like a dazed fighter; he didn't know what hit him. He had no idea. Um, he fell at one point. I don't know what that was about. I think he just slipped. Uh, I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. He slipped on the mound and, and went to the ground. Um, and then, people, then you know, the uh, the guys on Yes were talking about how, you know, that possibly um, – because he gave up a home run to the same batter. I forget who it was. And uh, I think it was Justin Smoke maybe. Um, but he just – it was the first time he looked bad. Look, the kid's going to have outings that are like that. It was a bad timing. Um, maybe he just came out too amped up and, and was, uh, you know, just not locating. Uh, I think that's kind of what happened. Uh, but it was think, unfortunate. Do you think maybe the pressure got to him a little bit? Well, I don't really think so because, I mean, we saw him go to Toronto and pitch a gem. Um, so, you know, there was pressure on him at that point, and, and he really – he kind of just he, – he, he manned up for it. Um, this one, you know, maybe he just it – was, it was a home start, and he just – he got a Friday night game, and he was just a little amped up and just wasn't locating early. And, um, and you know, these guys, if you miss if you miss this lineup, you're going to pay um, if, you're, if you're not on, on your game. You also can't discount the fact that that was the second time the Blue Jays were seeing him. That is true, yeah. So they, they had seen the guy. They had tape on the guy. Um, so that, that's a very good point. They, they were pounding his fastball. Uh, it's just insane how all of those Blue Jays hitters just swing out of their shoes. Um, but they can hit the ball, man. It is scary. They do have a scary lineup, and that's that, that's with Tulo not even you know at hitting like Tulo does. Yeah, everyone's talking about how you know since the Blue Jays got Tulo, that lineup is unstoppable, and that is true. But Tulo has nothing to do with that. He's betting like two thirty since they got him with like two home runs. Dude, Josh Donaldson's the real deal. That kid, he's the that MVP. kid mauls. Yeah, and and when you when you see him up there, I'm scared because he just looks like he's gonna hit the ball out of the ballpark. He 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 looks like he expects to hit the ball out of the ballpark every time he's up. Billy, I mean, Bean. he is locked in. Billy Bean got taken for a ride on that trade. Oh my god! I mean, really, Brett Lowry, who's a complete and just a, a I can't stand that guy in the first in the first place. He's such a tool. And then he gets traded for Donaldson, and I know there were a couple pitchers, a couple other uh, guys in that. So, you know, maybe some of those guys will pan out. But, but I mean, yeah, it's looking terrible right now. Donaldson is just a, a machine at this point. Yeah, uh, Blue Jays had five home runs against Yankee pitching in that eleven to five blowout win. Uh, just batting practice up there, um, and it didn't get any better on Saturday. Game one of the doubleheader, Pineda went out there. They, you know. Pineda needs to go out there and put his foot down and make a statement, and he just flat out did not do that. Five and a third innings, four runs. Kind of weird that Joe took him out with one out in the fifth inning after he just struck a guy out. 
He was at 98 pitches, and you know that you're in game one of a doubleheader against a just beast of a lineup. What are you doing taking your starter out in the fifth inning? I just don't understand that. Yeah, if it's me, I'm giving them the inning. Um, I mean, we know that they've been very cautious with a lot of these guys, uh, and they don't go, they don't have them go over 100 pitches very often. And Joe, I mean, I, I just think he's way too. Uh, way too specific with that, and, and he just yeah. sticks to it way too much. I mean, like, look you at where you are. Look at the you situation. You got to look at your situation yes. exactly. Like so, there's there's no room for that. It's just well, here he is. He's at 98 pitches. If he goes to the next batter, he'll definitely be over 100. Got to pull him out. And and to me, that is just that's not how you manage the game. You got to manage to the situation. You got to manage the situation. And and I, I again, man, I, I don't know. Pinedo I don't know. looked absolutely confused while Joe was walking out to the mound. Yeah, and I mean, look, Pineda did not look great. He, he had what four runs? On, yeah, five but he was—I mean, he was settling down a little bit. He gave up a home run in the in the fifth inning, but it was a wall scraper. Uh, it was kind of like it was a good pitch too. He kind of had a cutter on the inner half of the plate, and the guy hit a wall scraper. You know, traditional Yankee Stadium home run. So I kind of—that's a fly out in most stadiums. So I don't think Pineda was pitching bad necessarily. Okay, um, but. Again, so it goes back to the 98 pitches. That's That has to be what it is, right? It has to be the 100-pitch 100, 100 mark. Um, and, uh, you know, he would – Joe Girardi would not be Nolan, Ryan or Nolan Ryan's manager because <laughs> he just wouldn't take this. It's, it's ridiculous on, on how he really just sticks to that 100 pitches. You know every what we time. don't see with any of the Yankees pitchers is sort of uh, getting in Girardi's face a little bit when he walks out to the mound. Um, I think there's a time for that when a player is being taken out of a game and he doesn't think he should be taken out of a game. And maybe, you know, that's some of the urgency. That's some of the fire we're not seeing from this team right now. I wouldn't have minded if, if Pineda, who clearly you could see it on his face when he was walking off the mound, was, was pissed that he was taken out of that game. If he tells Jordy, you know, I'm good to go. Let me get through this inning. We got a double header. Let me pitch. You know, I we don't see that. I don't know if it changes anything, but, you know, Jordy probably still goes to the bullpen. But you know what I'm saying? You'd like to see that out of this team. Yeah, no, I, there's not a lot of animation uh, with, with Isaac. You see it from CeCe. CeCe is probably the, the most animated starter that we have. Uh, but I could see CeCe barking back or, you know, at least standing up for himself out there. Um, but so I don't know. Again, this is just one of those Girardi things that baffles me. I, I just don't understand it. And, and it's becoming more and more lately, I got to tell you. More and more. More and more I'm scratching my head with a lot of decisions that he's making. I wish we kept track of all the ones. Have a nice laundry list of things. Yep. Uh, Batances gave up a home run to Bautista in the eighth inning. Um, and that was sort of the turning point of the game. That The Yankees were tied at that point, And uh, it was 4-4 four to four at that point. The Blue Jays went up 5-4. to four. And Batances has not looked great recently. He had that really terrible looking outing on Monday versus Baltimore. Where he couldn't throw a strike uh, with his fastball. And he threw all sliders for strikes. And then uh, he gave up a home run, as I said, to, Batanza, or to um, Bautista. That's his third home run given up in his last seven appearances, which is very uncharacteristic. And I saw a graphic today that Batances has thrown the second most pitches in the major leagues this season. So I just think we're at a point in the season where he might be feeling it a little bit. 
Yeah, Scott Proctor number two. So Chase and Shreve is Scott Proctor number one. Batantis is number two. Uh, I'm sure we could count more of these guys that are just getting their arms thrown off. But yeah, I mean, he's got to be tired at this point too. Uh, he threw a lot of pitches last year too. I mean, he was he was throwing um, a good amount of pitches. Uh, he's he's a guy that that can go more than one inning. Um, and he's definitely been used in that role. But, you know, it goes back to a lot of the times when we're bringing him in in a six-run game or however uh, an opportunity or even just the, the sessions, uh, warming up, getting ready to come into a game. Even if he doesn't come in, he's still getting ready, getting his arm, and he's wasting. It's bullets. Um, it's bullets. Absolutely. So so we're, we're seeing the wear and tear at the back of the pen right now. And unfortunately, when the, when the rosters expand and you're able to bring up all these guys uh, to help out the bullpen, I mean, that's, a, that's one of the key areas where you can really get some help. These guys are not pitching well, so we, the guys that we've brought up, you know, are, are cannot be relied on, or, or you know, cannot be brought in in situations, uh, unless you're Joe Girardi and you're down one run in the ninth inning, and then you bring them in. But you know, it's just they're they're not working out uh, in our favor it's to take the to take a lot of the pressure off of the guys who've been working all year. Well, you know what, the Yankees had a chance in the bottom of the eighth inning to come back and, and actually take the lead in that game. Bases loaded with one uh, one out, and Headley pops up to second base on the second pitch. It was a ball that he swung at. Um, this is just, uh, you know my feelings on Headley. I hate him. Uh, and it's just things like this that make me hate him. Yeah, I mean, it was a big opportunity. And uh, when you, <laughs> at that point, we need big hits. We need, we need to, we need, we need at least to get a run in. Um, but yeah, it was a missed opportunity for Headley. I mean, you and I are, are different with, with Headley. Like, I, I kind of like the guy. He, he doesn't bother me. He just, I think he really bothers you. Um, so it's just a, a missed opportunity, yet another missed opportunity. And it sucks because Miller pitched lights out for two innings, and then we sit there in the 11th inning, and we're talking about guys like Brian Mitchell coming out, walking a batter, hitting a batter, and then walking another batter with no outs. Um, basically just throwing the game right down the toilet. It looked like the um, the Nationals against the Mets the other night. I mean, just yeah. couldn't throw a pitch over the plate. Like these are major league baseball players. Throw the ball over the plate. Well, for clearly a he's afraid to because he thinks his stuff isn't good enough, or he doesn't, you know, have the. He's not good enough to get guys out. Essentially, he's trying to fool hitters, and that's what we saw with Mitchell, which is exactly why he should not be pitching in the eleventh inning of a must-win game in extra innings. Now, do you think do you think any of this is still you know maybe he's still a little gun shy from um, from that line drive that came back at him? You think any of that's still in the back of his head? Because he he be. has not been pitching well when since he's come back. It could be. I mean, it's not like he was pitching great before that either. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it, I feel like one of those th- that something like that just kind of sticks with you. Um, oh, I can imagine it would. I mean, that's scary as hell. But there's no excuse not to throw not to throw the ball over the plate in that situation. I mean, it's just you're shooting yourself in the foot. That's that's all that was. It was just an implosion. And uh, we got a vo- uh, not a voicemail. We got a mailbag from Dylan. We didn't get his last name or Twitter handle about the the pul- the bullpen that, and Girardi's use of it. You want me to read it since your your voice is a little hoarse? Yeah, please, please all do. Right. So this is from Dylan. <clears throat> Started listening to the podcast this season. After seeing it mentioned on Twitter, and I am glad I did, and we are glad you did as well, Dylan. I like your take on every Yankees topic, whether I agree with it or not. My rant is about Girardi. It seems that just about every game I watch this year leaves me scratching my head on bullpen moves. (laughs) Kind of what you just said and what we've been saying this entire time. Um, So he refuses to use relievers more than two days in a row, even though we've essentially done this all season so that they'd be ready down the stretch and for the playoffs. Game two against the O's is a great example of this. Instead of going to Batances or Miller in the ninth, we bring in Chase and Shreve, who essentially blows the game. 
I know that you guys seem to agree with me for the most part from what I've heard this season, but I wish uh, this was brought up more in post-game press conferences because I believe more pressure should be applied on Girardi. Thanks. Great rant from Dylan. I think he sort of echoed everything we've been talking about this entire episode. So I just wanted to read that. And, you know, it's not just us. It's every fan out there feeling this way. Oh, it's all over Twitter. I mean, this. I mean, at the, with the Bronx Pinstripes account, you, uh, the, all the, the the mentions and and replies are a lot of them are are directed at the, the decisions that Girardi makes in the in the and it's usually at the end of the game, you know, towards the end of the game with the bullpen management. And uh, like I said before, I, I really don't have an answer to this besides the fact that he has he has. I mean, everybody calls it Joe's binder, right? Joe's binder, and he has written in his binder a certain plan and a certain set of rules and and the and ways that he goes about a game and the way he manages a player and i don't know what's in that binder i don't know i don't know who wrote the binder if he got pressured by someone else if it's an influence i don't know what the hell's in that thing but it just doesn't make any sense because the binder contradicts itself the binder makes no sense it makes bad decisions um and I, i just don't understand i don't understand what he does half the time. So, so yes, Dylan, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, brother. I don't get it. Um, I, I scratch my head quite a bit. I, I really do. I think as Yankee fans, whenever Girardi is done as manager of the Yankees, we need to have a ceremonial burning of a binder just to, to rid ourselves of that. I agree. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. We'll, we'll put it on Periscope. We'll, 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 uh, we'll send it to, to everybody so everybody can feel better. Um, I don't know what's in that binder either. You know, maybe it's just, you know... It doesn't make sense, it's right? It might be it's the like... scribblings of a madman, for all I know. It might be, <laughs> might just be crayon, you know, drawings like Charlie Kelly from Always Sunny, Denim Chicken. I don't know if you get the <laughs> reference. But uh, it, it, who knows what's in there, but clearly he goes to it a lot. That's not, you know, we say that binder being sarcastic, but no, he has stats that he goes to and he sticks to them almost to a fault sometimes. It's extremely frustrating. I don't know what to do because it's not going to change. It's not going to change. It's just going to. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to know what's going to happen. At least he's under. You know, I'm not. I don't know what's coming next. <laughs> I give him that. I don't know what's coming. <laughs> but you're not going to like it. <laughs> Probably not. So that sort of set the tone for Game Two in the series. I mean, Ivan Nova versus the Blue Jays right now is a total mismatch. He got shelled six runs in the second inning. You knew after that backbreaking loss in Game One, the Yankees were going to come out flat. Blue Jays came out swinging the bats again. 10 to 7 loss. Um, you know, I don't know what to say about this game other than the fact that I saw it coming from a mile away. Yeah, it was uh, it was like Friday night, you know, it was over before it started. It seemed like it's just another one of those one of those games that the Toronto came out swinging the bats hot immediately and um and, and we we fell victim to yet another uh, another show of this lineup. I mean, that lineup is just filthy and if you're missing, you're going to pay for it. Definitely. Um I don't really have anything else to say about that game. So let's move on to Sunday and finally got a win. And Tanaka stepped up again, pitched eight innings. Uh, He pitched like we needed Pineda to pitch in game one on Saturday, I think. I mean, Tanaka has really been stepping up lately. He's been pitching very well, and he's been that stopper that we need. So, so yeah, we, we could have very well gotten swept this weekend, but we didn't. We ended on a win, which is a good thing. It's a positive way to leave, I guess. Um, I mean, granted, we we got taken uh, taken to the shed three times before that, but thankfully Tanaka came in and pitched really well. He's been using a lot more breaking stuff, it seems like, and he's sharp. 
um, that breaking stuff he's really locating. So uh, I really like what I'm seeing out of him. He's, he's pitching very well, very well. I think I said eight innings. He actually pitched seven innings today. But regardless, it was a great start. Yeah. Um, I want to mention just eight innings in Baltimore. That's, yeah, yeah, there we go. that's what it was. Um, I want to mention a couple things, just sort of trends from the recent week, and and one of those is Ellsbury. He's not hitting at all. He went 0 for 10 in the doubleheader. He did not get a hit today, and in his last 45 at bats, he's now batting 114. Um, so with Gardner not really hitting either, it's a gigantic hole at the top of the order. I mean, has he been taking batting practice with Stephen Drew? Is that is that what's happening here? Because well, if he if he was, he'd be hitting a home run every tenth at bat. That's true. Um, yeah, you know, we we talked about this, and we we realized how much or how of, of much of an importance the top of the lineup is getting Ellsbury and Gardner. And Gardner, to his credit, has been hitting better lately. He's had a couple big games, um, but but when those two guys are going. Our lineup seems to just rock and roll. Like we we get the you know some of the big guys up. I mean, granted, Teixeira was in uh, in the lineup when those guys were really hot, um, and that certainly helped matters. But when they're not going, there's you look down the lineup and you're lo- you're waiting to see where that spark's going to come from. And while Didi has been hitting the ball tremendously, I mean, he's probably been our, one of our better second half hitters on the team. He's my new favorite player. He's he's been he's been really great. I mean, I, I can't say it enough how 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 tremendous he has improved uh, how, how much he's improved but when when you Ellsbury and Gardner are not uh, hitting at the top um you know the lineup is not the same it's not the same at all um because because we do not get guys on base that much and those guys are crucial yeah and then a lot of the home runs they're hitting are solo home runs instead of two or three run homers exactly exactly and that's and that's a, a big problem um especially when you know, when the bottom of your lineup, I mean, I can't really say this anymore because uh, Drew and Didi, I guess, Didi's been hitting the lights. He's, what is he? He's batting like 350 in the second half, something stupid. And Drew's been better. Um, but yeah, when, when, when the batting averages are where they are, uh, we're not getting a lot of guys on base. So we need those, we need those that high on base uh, percentage and the high average coming from the top of the lineup. It's also, they're, they're not good at situational hitting, whether that's moving a runner over or getting a sack fly when you need it. Um, you know, bottom of the seventh, they had second and third with one out, and Drew and Ellsbury both popped up to the infield. It's like, just hit a ground ball to second base or hit a deep fly ball to get the run in. It, you have to produce, you know, you have to be able to move runners over and get them in if you want to win in the playoffs. And right now, this team can't do that. You know, and that's that's some of the that's one of the that's one of the big philosophies in the National League, right? Is is you're playing a lot more small ball because you have the pitcher to to uh, to deal with in the lineup. And you see a lot of American League teams, especially ones that have um, you know big bats like the Yankees do, and and they, how much they rely on the long ball, they lose that whole element of the game. Uh, I feel like they become worse hitters because of it. I mean, at that point, I want to see baseball. I want to see move them, move them over, get them in. It's it's fundamental baseball that I think sometimes gets lat that that sometimes leaves the game in the American League. And while we all love the home run, we're getting away from that in, in the post steroid era. We need to start playing more small ball uh, to get these runners over and in. And and we're seeing, um, you know, guys not being able to do it because one, I don't think they're used to doing it anymore. Um, I don't know how much they practice, you know, situational hitting uh, when they're when they're doing when they're doing uh, you know batting practice, batting sessions, you know, just just strictly going the other way. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's an element of the game that that has definitely uh, suffered. That's a good point. And it, why do you think we've seen a lot of national teams like the Giants and the Cardinals win World Series recently? It's because they know how to produce in those situations when it comes to crunch time. 
No, absolutely. You're, and you see, and you're seeing them win a lot of tight games too. And they're some scrappy teams, but they know the fundamentals. And the fundamentals, to me, I mean, when I I coached little league for like 15 years or 10 years, and like that's we even every single season we go back to the basics every single time, I mean, no matter what age they are, and we we go through the basics every single season. And most of our practices, you know, are fundamentals because I truly believe that's where baseball. Um, that's where baseball needs to be played, even at the highest level. The fundamentals are still what need to be uh, to be implemented, and and you know going the other way or getting that, you know just adjusting to get that pop, that pop fly, it's it's a shame because a lot of it's lost, and it's very evident on this team. Yep, and uh, so they got three, oh, and Boston Boston is burning right now. <laughs> what the? <laughs> I don't know what's going on out my window, but I apologize to everybody. Hopefully, there's nothing on fire, nothing's getting robbed. <laughs> um, unless it's Fenway Park. Um, so they got three at Tampa and then three at the Mets. Uh, maybe it's a good thing they're going on the road, get away from home. So maybe it'll it'll switch up the switch up some uh, juju here because they're playing like crap at home right now. Um, I'll actually be at City Field next Friday for the game. Any advice going into Queens? Yeah, be loud and obnoxious. All right, real loud and real obnoxious because you know they're going to be loud and obnoxious. I can do that and. You know, look, this this upcoming six games is is uh, is extremely important because one, we need to bounce back from what just happened, and and we need to do it. And we need to show some moxie and show some fight. These boys need to, to come out and and take it, uh, take the the Tampa Bay Devil Rays to the woodshed and just beat the crap out of them and come out with three wins. I, we really need three wins. Go to the. I know the trap is never been friendly, um, but we need to go down there and we need to win those games and. We need to be ready because the Mets are going to be ready. The Mets are going to want to win those games very badly. Um, and, you know, with the, with the pitching staff that they have, our, our bats need to be swinging. They need to be, they need to be right when we get there. Definitely. Hit me up on Twitter, definitely. If you're going to be at that game on Friday at City Field, we can grab some beers. Um, always fun to, to meet some new Yankee fans. All right. So I think we have a couple more voicemails and mailbags that we want to get into. Um, the first one is from Mark Sheffer. I think I know who this is on Twitter, but he did not leave his Twitter handle, so I don't have that handy right now. But I believe I do talk to Mark quite often on Twitter. Um, his question is pretty simple. Who should pitch the wild card game, assuming the Yankees can set up their rotation? I'm pretty sure we're going to both agree on this. Yep, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's, uh, it's Masahiro Tanaka, no doubt about it. He's the only guy that we can rely on right now in the, in the rotation. But I think this raises a different question as well. Who it's, comes after him? Well... No, not that, but should the Yankees start to sort of line things up playing for that one-game playoff versus going balls to the walls to try and win the division? Well, I think it's too early to do that right now, um, but but it, it's possible Joe will start Twitter, you know, messing with the lineup and tinkering and getting another day in um, when he needs to, to, to get that right, but... I, I don't know. I, I don't even want to think about that to tell you the truth. I don't think they should be either. I think they should be focused on winning ball games and playing some good baseball so that we can actually be in that situation. If you start looking too far into the future and you start looking at things like that, it's going to mess with you. You're not going to win games, and we're, not, and we're going to blink our eyes, and we're not going to be in the playoffs. That's what's going to happen. So, no, I don't want them, uh, I don't want them setting anything up yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And you, you asked who comes after Tanaka if they make it that far. Um, at this point, I think they throw names in a hat and Joe picks one out of the hat because it's all a crapshoot. Yeah, I think that what they will do is they'll probably if, – if Joe were to set a lineup today and he, he were to give a pitching lineup, I, I, I would think that it would be Pineda. 
Uh, uh, I th- yes, because he's gonna he's gonna err to the side of being a, a veteran. Um, while well, I'm I may want Severino in that yeah. spot. Last week um, we both said Severino in that spot. Right. Yep. And uh, you know, but we saw what happened on Friday night. So he's he's definitely human. Um, so that definitely threw some doubt into the back of the mind. But Severino's probably the three guy. And then, unless unless Joe Girardi goes to CC Sabathia, which I again, like I said before, would not put it past him. Do not. Yeah, that is not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> I, I definitely see it happening. Actually, <laughs> for four innings though, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mark, for for sending in the question. Definitely uh, continue to send your questions in. Uh, we did get one voicemail as well. I think this Blue Jays series sort of sparked some anger in the Yankee fans. So uh, I think we got a voicemail from John. Why don't we take a listen to that? What's going on, guys? It's uh, John from Brockton. I just want to talk about the series. When you have a chance to at least lessen the lead in the AL East, and you lay an egg Friday night, Severino, I feel bad for the kid. He just got lit up. He was lights out, but that's what's going to happen when you you know face the Blue Jays. But when when you have a chance and you just lay an egg on Friday night, and then the double header, you up. Four one four two, something like that. You had the lead. <laughs> I'm I'm so distraught. You had the lead. It's amazing. You, there, there's no words. I, I you're about to lose three out of four games. I don't know what's going to happen Sunday with Tanaka. Maybe lose there, get swept, go to Tampa Bay. No off days. Bad luck. I don't know what to say. I right now you're losing the lead in the wild card race. It's not looking good. That's all I gotta say. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks, John. I think you said you were from Brockton, which uh, I'm in. I'm in Boston, so definitely. I think I talked to you a few times on Twitter. Uh, hit me up. Let's let's try and grab some beer. Um, I feel your frustration, man. Uh, just, he was just complaining about the Friday game, the Saturday game one. It, like you said, there's no words. I don't know where we are with this team right now, but they're trending in a bad direction. Yeah, it's very apparent that the Yankee fans are getting very frustrated uh, with, with the way that the season is is going right now. Um, you know, we had a had a sizable lead, then 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 Toronto comes and just whoops up and sort of doesn't lose games for like um, seems like a month, um, and and then when we have an opportunity to strike back, they lay a complete egg, just like you said, and it just it didn't seem like the fight was there that they wanted it, and it looks like Toronto wants it. To be perfectly honest, it looks like they want this division, and and they're very hungry, and they can smell uh, postseason postseason success. So. Um, yeah, I, I really want to see more more life out of this team. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing for me. Um, but but I think I think your your story is kind of a telling. Uh, it's pretty telling on on how the Yankee fan base feels right now. I think there's a lot of frustration and just um, you know hair being pulled out. So I, I got to see more fire from these guys and 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 really just like act like they what they want it badly. I mean, show some emotion. Let's 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 go. This is a big stretch. It's a, it's time to 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 put up a shut up. That's the thing. You said the Blue Jays are playing like they want it. They're playing like they're the team chasing the Yankees, not the other way around. No, absolutely. It definitely feels like that. It's, it feels like they're, they're they're like, look, I know you're there, but you're not getting to me. That's what's happening. It's like, you know, it's a stiff arm. And it's it's they're, they're just playing that much better. Granted, that, that lineup is filthy. And, I mean, you got to be at the top of your game when you're against them. They're, they're, they're a good team. They really improved themselves on the on the uh, at the at the break or at the uh, the trade deadline. So while while I was saying that this guy's gonna get fired because he completely unloaded their their minor league system, damn, he put together a, a nice little squad. <laughs> it seems to be working so far. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So that sort of wraps up for this episode. I think it's just apparent we're all frustrated. And if we don't start seeing better baseball out of this team this week, immediately down Monday night tonight, as you're listening to this in Tampa, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get ugly really quickly. So, Scott, any last words? Just keep the faith, baby. I mean, look, this is the stretch run. Uh, this team ha- has been through adversity. We've been through long stretches of, of terrible offense. We've bounced back. We've been through, you know, countless injuries this year. So there is fight in this team. You know, we just we, we need to see it now coming down the stretch. We need to see that sense of urgency. And as a fan base, I guess you know we just need to get on board. I mean, these guys are uh, they still have a, a you know a, a decent little chunk left um, and, and can and can turn it back around. Uh, and we still have the wild card. We're still uh, you know four games up. So look, I, I'm I'm still I still keeping the faith. I, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely frustrated, but uh, I'm excited to, to watch these, these guys uh, to finish out strong. So let's go. That's it. Well, I think the sky is falling, so that's where you and I did. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> but I'll be out at City Field, as I said, on Friday. I hope Harvey is pitching, and I hope we beat his brains in. Uh, catch you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.